There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 468. All right, my schedule is evened out. At midnight is in, we're in it now, week three. A lot of good guests this week. Al Madrigal, Rob Hubel, Weird Al. Brian Posehn, Sean O'Connor, Julie Klausner, John Daly, Horatio Sands. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fantastic week on At Midnight, and I'm so happy to have like a regular job that I love, like a regular actual daily job, which means that it's freed me up a little bit more schedule-wise to start doing the thing that I really should be doing, which is writing more stand-up. So I had this idea to start uh, a show at Meltdown at our space at Meltdown. Um, twice a month, I guess on the first, first and third, first and third Mondays, well the first one's February 17th, and basically the show's called Beta Test, and it's just a way to force me to write new material, so uh, I'm going to have two other comics on the show, and we'll all do 20 minutes, uh, and, and just experiment, and just play with the crowd, and work stuff out, and workshop, and and um, so... Uh, and the way that you will want to see that is because the ticket prices will either be so super low or just free. I gotta figure it out. Because obviously it still costs money to put a show on a meltdown, and I don't want to completely take advantage of <laughs> my theater. Uh, so I, it'll either be super, super, super cheap or just free, so that you're not like, oh wow, I just sit through 10 minutes of a comic trying to find something. But uh, but that's actually kind of fun to I mean, I like watching that stuff. So, uh, beta test, the first one will be February 17th, Monday at 9pm, and it'll be myself and Matt Bronger and Jackie Cation. So, uh, that's obviously if you live in Los Angeles. If not, I'm, I'm sorry that we're not doing it in your town, but I'll have some other dates coming up elsewhere with the prepared material that I work through uh, on, on beta test. So, that's that business. Um, I'd like to thank Carbonite Online Backup for sponsoring this episode of Nerdist Podcast. Have you backed up all your stuff today? Or yesterday, or even last week, or even a couple weeks ago, you'd still feel like, oh, maybe I wouldn't lose too, too much, but it'd still be a pain. It's like not getting a save point on it. Oh, my God. I would play Skyrim or Bioshock and then not save. I'd be like, oh, I'll get through this level and then have to start over. Okay, that imagine that, but with all of the files that make up who you are as a person in your life. Carbonite Online Backup is automatic. Backs up your files instantly wherever you go. The free Carbonite app. Start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. No credit card required. It's really a free trial. Then use the offer code NERDIS when you decide to buy to get two free bonus months. That's Carbonite.com. Use the offer code NERDIS. Um, This episode is Aaron Eckhart, who is, goddammit, just so charming. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, Aaron Eckhart burst onto the scene in 1997 in the company of men there was a lot of buzz he did a bunch of cool movies uh thank you for smoking an amazing movie 
which I think I may have forgotten to bring up in this podcast because we it just it is the podcast the way the podcast works, and we just started talking about a lot of other fun stuff. Um, uh, and also Harvey Dent, come on, Two Face, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time, Dark Knight. So uh, anyway, we had a chance to sit down, and uh, and I really dig Aaron a lot. He's a super 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 cool guy, and I like I like talking to guys who are around my age or just a little bit older. Just seeing if they've figured shit out yet. I haven't. I figured some stuff out, but there is a lot to go. His movie *I Frankenstein* is in theaters Friday, January twenty-fourth, and it's sort of a—it's—it's it's based on a graphic novel, the *I Frankenstein* graphic novel. Uh, it's written, directed by Stuart Beattie, and it—and it's sort of a dystopian era Frankenstein story. So uh, it looks super cool, and we should all go see it together. All right, that's it. I'm coming to your town, and we're going to go see I, Frankenstein together this Friday. It'll be like a Santa Claus thing. I'm going to hit every movie theater at once in a Michael Keaton multiplicity-style movie-watching experience. Here's the Nerds Podcast, number 468, with Aaron Eckhart. God damn it, is he charming! Now entering Nerdist.com. It wasn't, no, I don't know, it was, it was neither, it was an older guy, and he was talking to a young woman, and I don't know if he was trying to hit on her or impress her, but the only segment of the conversation that I heard was, and so I studied shamanism, and that was all, and I really wanted to, to just to be pure where I was going without being creepy. That's, that's master level. <laughs> you don't understand. You just, you just met a master. Did I though? Yeah. Because yeah, you did. I feel like shamanism is flying too close to the sun. No, I feel no, like you, that's a no, little... because you wouldn't say it, would you? No. But he did. Yeah, I guess that, so. That's master level stuff. I'm trying to teach Greg this stuff. Master level stuff. Yeah. What's uh, what's we were always talking. We were at a bar the other night in Milan, in Italy, and we, there was this girl and stuff, and we we're saying, okay, how are you gonna approach the bar? What would you do? And, and we were getting into master level, like. <laughs> Like, you know, how we were to approach the guy first and this, what we say and all that sort of stuff. There's a, you know it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah, you do. It would be my approach. Here I go, guys. I'm from America. Like, it would be something so stupid. <laughs> no, Is that but, charming to you in any way? My nasally no, voice? How you use him to get to her, how to blah, blah, blah. Is, oh, that's some Bobby Fischer chess yeah, match yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm no good at that. Yeah. I, I think I would just... Uh, well, I, I, Are we recording this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're recording. <laughs> okay. No, but this is good because people no, want to learn. People want to learn how to... Because I, I think, you know, I've, I've essentially gone from long-term relationship to long-term relationship. So I think now if I were single, I would just walk up to a girl and be like, do you want to move in? Like, I don't know where I would go. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you go from like... That's master level stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this guy this guy was probably yeah, he looked like late 50s so I feel like you have to be at least five decades in before you can drop shamanism because if yeah. you're younger than that then no, it's but not that's a work. little creepy shamanism at 50 <laughs> that's you right know, that's cooler when you have long hair and be, you know what I'm saying 
Yeah. Not 50s at all. Of course, I'm almost 50. No, you can't be. <laughs> because I don't think you and I are that far apart that's, in age. That's the, way, that's the way I feel about it, too. It's <laughs> not possible. It's not possible. Yes, sir. How does that happen? I'll be 46 in uh, March. God damn it. Well, at least we're not our parents' generation. When that generation, like, yeah. or, or my dad's father was... By the time my dad's father was 55, like he was just in his pajamas at four every day, and that was it. That's right. Yeah, I don't, crutches. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to, I think maybe it was Craig Ferguson about it, where I go, because uh, he's around 50, and I go, well, uh, yeah, 50's like the new 35 or 40. He goes, nah, that's bullshit. That's what you tell yourself. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're fucking old. Like, well, no. Well, it's interesting because I feel like I'm, in, I'm 45 now, I feel like I'm in better shape. I feel, but the problem is that other people don't feel that way about you. You know, like <laughs> the people you're talking to, you know, they, they look at you. It's weird because I look at kids' skin, you know, like actors I'm working with, you yeah. know, they're young people. I look at them, it's completely, I'll just be looking at their face going like this, trying to remember what that was like. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, looking at your face. <laughs> like, it's can, can I touch that? You know, it's like. You don't think about it because you have you're so used to your own face, you know, and it's older and there's got wrinkles and stuff like that. But, but what skin used to be like, you know what I mean? Just so elastic and yeah. perfect. And but see, we're we're lucky because the longer we're in the race and the longer we can keep up, like taking care of ourselves and being yeah. in good shape or whatever. We you instantly like each year you do that, you knock down like an ex another exponentially high number of dudes yeah. who just fucking right. threw in the towel. <laughs> right. Like how many four, how many 45 year olds, you know, are, do you know, like a lot of times you look around and you go, Jesus Christ. I go, how old are you? You guys 45. I go, no, no, no please. <laughs> I do that all the time. Like, how old are you? <laughs> you can't look like 45. I go, do I look like you? <laughs> did you ever have the towel or did you just throw it in at like 30? Because that's what some guy, like some guys just totally, and I think I was the Yeah, reverse. but then they get single and then transformation takes place. You know, like if they're married or whatever and then, you know. And then all of a sudden they're single, you know, and they get on uh, 90X, P90X or something like that, you know, <laughs> everything changes. All he needs a pull-up bar and a DVD player. That's, That's all I need. all you need. You just need a tree and a rock. <laughs> and you could eat uh, everything in the roots and then use the tree and the rock you to work out. You could eat a pine tree. You could eat a pine tree. Yeah. Yeah. They're very edible. But I feel like at that point... I just never wanted to get to 50 and then and then go, now the mad scramble, like my life depends on it. You know, mm. I kind of wanted it to be a, I was a, I was a big. How old are you? 42. Oh, yeah. 42. Well, you look good. No, oh, thanks. Yeah, you, look <laughs> you look good, good too. 42. Oh, you look good too. <laughs> I would have said you were in your 30s. <laughs> well, if, if you saw me in my 20s, I looked like 40 when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And then I cleaned up my act and. Uh, are you married? I'm not. I do have a girlfriend though. Have, do you have children? No. What's wrong with you? I don't. My. Um, <laughs> That's the question you get when I you think after the your forties. I'm too um, self-involved. I think yeah. was the term to have kids. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't. You have kids? 
No. No, uh, see, you don't even yeah. either. But I had this conversation yesterday with a director I was, I was talking to, and he goes, it, when you get over 40, you know, married, no kids is, is weird, whereas before 40, it's cool. Yeah. So you go right into weird. Oh, right. You know what I'm saying? Right, because there's the, the supposition that, that, that there's some the, reason. Yeah. Are you damaged or is there something strange yeah. as opposed to just like, eh, I don't know, just have but, And there's lots of reasons. <laughs> but somebody goes, is there a reason? You're, yeah, there's a lot of reasons I'm not married. <laughs> The, but, I just had this conversation with my driver <laughs> on the way here. <laughs> he said, I love my kids, man, but but sometimes... I can't even tell you what he said. <laughs> he said something that I thought was funny, but I don't think other people would think would be funny. It certainly wouldn't be anything worse than what Louis C.K. has said, so what, whatever it what, is, what I'm did sure he say? It's, 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 oh, no, just like his whole... You know, he just he has a, a specials devoted to fatherhood and, you oh. know, but all the dark side, all the stuff that, you know, like, my, it's all of my kids are assholes kind of stuff, you know? No, he said, he said, I love my kids. I can't say it. There's too many, there's too many beautiful women here that would take, take offense at it. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. I don't think, I think anyone would be remotely offended. If it's too bad, we'll cut it it's out. It's violent. Good. Good. Let's say what, 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 what no, because I, we have to. I have to go out and be with my driver all day. <laughs> this podcast will I don't, not go up. I, this podcast will not go up until after you finish. For yeah, the but day. I don't want to start thinking weird things about my driver. Oh, okay, because like right. he's taking me to weird places and stuff like that, and he knows where I live. So the gist of it is that it was not a rousing endorsement for fatherhood. No, he no. was somehow he 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 wanted to insi- uh, uh, how do you say the word uh, incendiate or he wanted to burn his <laughs> Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. How's as, that? Is uh, figuratively speaking, yeah, figuratively speaking. Yeah. Well, I think um particularly with what we the kind of nomadic lifestyle that performers lead it's probably I'm always surprised when an actor goes yeah I'm gonna have kids I'm like really because you're probably not gonna be around a whole lot how are you gonna have kids how am I well no I mean that's that's, oh yeah how same question yeah you know yeah I mean it's tough I mean you're uh, you know I've never really figured that one out you know and then how are you gonna see them and deal with them and you're gonna I always felt like I would have kids and then I always um, sort of fantasize or romanticize the idea of bringing my kids on set, you know, and having a, you know, a movie life, you know, my kids would then look back when they're, you know, drug induced and <laughs> talk about their, when they, times when they were with their dad, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't see any good things happening, you know, in that lifestyle, but, you know, at least they would have, you know, contacts where they could get drugs and like, you know, yeah, exactly. and <laughs> Bulgaria and Australia. That would be the reason like, to bring them Yeah, they would have hookups in all these countries. <laughs> That's very generous so of you. So if they right? had to flee this country. Yeah, exactly. You know, they could go right to the source. Yeah. yeah. Was it, you know, I wouldn't say my dad was a good dad, but he taught us how to get out of Cuba. And that was really... <laughs> no, into Cuba. Into Cuba and then back out. It was yeah. really a good... It was really a... From that point, he was great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having kids. I think, it could, I think it'll be... <laughs> the one thing about it is that I think actors have to... Be, I've sort of joked about it before, but I think performers have to be naturally... Um, uh, self-centered because you're constantly in your you're constantly in your own head 
And so I feel like that inherently makes it difficult to then focus on another life, which is what you should do when you have a kid yeah. is make it this, this all about them. This is how it goes down. This is how it goes down. You're at home, your kids, you know, comes out in the living room and you're, you know, doing your thing and you're rehearsing or whatever like that. And the kid's like, dad, I'm hungry. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like my dog, for example, dirty. Are we getting in territory that I should not be in? We're fine. Oh, okay. My dog, like I had a, uh, yellow lab right very sensitive dog very beautiful dog you know he could not be in the house when I rehearsed because you know movies are all about death betrayal you know um, bitterness you know all that sort of stuff you know so I'd be there rehearsing you know going shut up you I fucking hate you, you know? <laughs> by myself in my house you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like crying my dogs if I can see my life through my dog's eyes I'm in a corner in my house a beautiful day I'm sitting in there rehearsing crying in the corner you know like dog, my dog's sitting there going the can we swear? Yeah, them? whatever you want. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, and then, so he would leave the house whenever I pulled out the script. Your, your, your pets are emotional sponges. Totally. And so they will, you know, a dog always knows when you're upset and they come up and they want to make you feel bad. And, yeah. and from his point of view, it must have been like a, like a really fucked up relationship where he's like, this guy's just never happy. I well, don't know. What, what am I doing? Yeah, he, that and it's like a bipolar relationship because you're sitting there like one minute going, hey, bud, you want some? Go get the, go get the ball. Go get the ball. Shut up. <laughs> you, know, you're fucking, you, know what I'm you said to get the ball, man. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, or... Yeah, so that was tough. And I, th- I see the same relationship with kids, you know, because actors are tough, man. And especially if you married an actor, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be, you know, mommy's, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, mommy, why is, you know, daddy, why is mom, you know, you know, drugged out and, you know, prostitute. She's and she's... searching for a role, exactly. sweetie. Yeah, how that's... do you explain that to your kids? Well, I think the problem with... with it, I see the upside and the downside to um, d- dating or marrying within the business because on the one hand, you have a partner that understands you don't have a regular job, you don't have a regular life, it's weird, it's nomadic, it's emotionally taxing. But on the other hand, they essentially ha- probably have all of the same flaws that you have. And then when those kind of rub against each other, uh, it's a Noah's bueno. Yeah, when you, you're out at a party and you see a director, literally your wife is pushing you into the bushes to get to the director. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> She's like this. I'll and, just be here, honey. Don't fuck him too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Exactly. Been there. And you're like, somehow you understand it. It's just weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, okay, honey, don't worry about it. That's, you know, I've never been able to date actresses, actually. I've never... Never done it. How do you meet people? Since I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I quit drinking and all that. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. Nine, ten years oh, ago. Oh, me too. Same Did you really? Time. Yeah. Yeah, why? Um, I don't know. I, I, it was, I think, largely because I was sensing that it was not a good long-term plan. And I knew if I didn't stop, I probably wouldn't. And I, I think it was really... I think it was a vanity issue where I was like, I don't look good, and I really want to try to get my career back because yeah. I, I had stalled. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, I just need to focus. And so then I did. But then when I did, 
once I had clarity and some distance, I realized like, oh, I was doing it for all of these reasons that I didn't realize at the time. So yeah. what, what about you? Well, same exact. In fact, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you just, you know, you wake up and you see everything's, you know, spiraling around the toilet. You know what I mean? And, you know, not every, I wasn't probably the nicest guy when I drank and all that. And so I, uh, I decided to give that up. And so I'm much more. I get up, like I've been up since three o'clock this morning. Oh my God. Say. Yeah. You know, um, I was riding my bike at six this morning, you know, that, that kind of stuff is good. Yeah. You know, but the social aspects of it are much more difficult, you know, because a, you don't go to the places that, you know, where people are. Right. And then you don't want to marry uh, an alcoholic or <laughs> no, it's you know not a good saying? idea. You know, yeah. Somebody who's a big drinker or yeah. druggy or something like that. So you, again, the pool's getting smaller and smaller. So um, it's been, then if you stay in this town, it's more difficult. And also the younger you are, the more patience you have for drunk people and people in bars. And the yeah. older you get, especially if you don't drink, you're just like, I just don't, I don't have the energy for this shit. Because they're, they're essentially a lot of them are just fake conversations. I had a guy, I was at the Golden Globes two days ago or whatever it was. I had a guy who had been drinking in my face, <laughs> literally two inches from my face, you know, giving, lecturing me about life. You know, I told Stacey, I told you this. And literally he's right here for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Just a little spit, like the alcohol yeah, spits in your eyes. I could not get away from him. You know what I'm saying? And I thought, that's the reason why I don't go out. That's the reason why I don't drink. Because I can't, I don't know what to do here. Right. You know, and I don't want to be that guy who's, you know, you know, proximity. I have proximity issues. You, yeah. know, we, you and I right now are, a, you know, a, a nice distance from each We're other. We're a desk length apart. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's plenty of room to maneuver here. I yeah. mean, but you get any closer and that starts getting weird. <laughs> well, especially, you know, it's less excusable if, you're, if someone's sober and they're right here. At <laughs> yeah. least if someone's drunk, you're like, all right, they don't depth perception. I don't know. Yeah, but a sober right. person, you're like, you don't have any excuse. You're just, you're, now we're nose to nose. <laughs> yeah. You were just in Milan a couple of days ago? I was in Paris, London, Milan for this movie, and uh, which was very cool. Paris was excellent because um, I get up each morning, uh, like I said, and then I study French for two hours. You know, I read all the papers, uh, all the French papers, uh, and so it was good to go back there. I used to live in France for a little while, so I go back there. And it was funny because I went into Paris and you were talking to journalists and that, and I'm trying out my French and all that. And um, I knew everything about the country. I knew they were having floods. I knew the political situation. I knew, you know, it was kind of fun to do that. So, um, yeah, and then we went to London, Milan. Now we're going here. All the French, the, the stuff that's going on with the president right now is really amazing. Mm. Which is just seeing the stories, they go, oh, it turns out French women are not cool with you having affairs, yeah. as everyone <laughs> well, had he, suggested he, before. He, he rides his Vespa. Over to this to this apartment, you know, and uh, basically this woman is there. She's an actress. Mm-hmm. Case in point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the definitive cherry on the cake right there. I mean, she's an actress who's uh, basically banging him. Yeah. And um, <laughs> by the way, way out of his league. His <laughs> wife and the woman that he was at. Yeah. Like, his, yeah. the, the, the guy... Did you see the pictures of him? And, and now he just looks completely, yeah. completely He looks like a bowling ball. But it, yeah, he does look like a bowling ball. <laughs> it looks like all of his facial features are sort of, there's this continental drift that's happening mm. to some weird like face Pangea that's yeah. going to collect in the middle of his skull. <laughs> yeah. And now it's, now it's even, everything's even more 
The back of his head is 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 you know coming to the front of his head is will soon envelop his features. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they need to, you know, it's it's like the mud, the mud falling down. They should just give him a break and like look at him, just let him have this. Could you just let him have this, please? There aren't a lot of good years left. He's ha- he's having an affair, but the French are cool with that ultimately. Except now they're, I, I think, I think the idea of this 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 sort of idea of well, it's all right as long as no one finds out, you yeah. know. But now that everyone knows, I don't know. I guess if you get to be at that... Actually, you've, this is accidental segue. You've played characters that, are, that I guess are seemingly like, I'm bulletproof. What, what's mm. going to happen? Mm. Uh, and so it must be kind of a head trip when you are, you know, the head of a superpower... And you sort of feel like, man, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Well, really, when I think about that, and my driver, I just had that conversation with my driver, too, um, is, you know, it's more the hedge funders, you know, these guys who just get huge contracts, huge um, windfall, you know, money, and they're out there with their buddies. There's just no rules. I felt it mostly with those guys. I mean, there's no rules. They make the rules. And oddly enough, women are very attracted to that, you know, and they know it. Because the women in that in that sense become more like the men, you know what I mean. And tell me if I'm offending any women in this no, room. No, no, no. This is my been in my experience in New York researching these kind of people, and um, it's actually sickening, you know. And to think that they are in power and that they're running both economically and politically is, you know, it's scary. And you know, it's it's everywhere, but. Uh, um, you know, it's very empowering. They have the money and they have all the accoutrements, you know, the big cigars and the fancy suits and they go to, to, to martini bars. That's when you find the real, the real superheroes. So in your, in your estimation, with some wisdom and experience and some sort of uh, some social anthropology under your belt, these guys think that this is power. Or this, is, um, this is what it means to be a man. And what are you finding out? What do you think it means to be a man or to, you know, be powerful? What do you, what do you think that is in reality? I have carpets in my house, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm in the 70s. <laughs> I still have carpets. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I'm going to try to answer your question. Okay, okay. You know, I could say, like, you know... You know, bullshit answer, but I really will think. Oh, okay, about I can this pro- I can prod you with what I've been thinking it is lately, which is I think it's all about accepting responsibility. Okay, uh, rather responsibility for your actions or responsibility for for other people, like accepting res- owning up to things you do and being and be and accepting responsibility. Okay, I'll I'll okay, that's a good one, and I'll say uh, I will say the day that you. Stop caring what other people think of you is the day that your life start you start living. Okay, you know this this idea that we're so we're, we're basically uh, all aspects of our lives we're performing for others at our own expense. You know my um, it's the whole uh, please disease. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to make in my life I'm always trying to make other people happy at my expense. You know, and I just wish one day that I could stop doing that and just do what I want to do. You know, and there are many examples of that in this movie and in this movie and in this life, in this town, actors doing it today, taking responsibility for their own careers, you know, um, doing their own material, 
you know, being producers, putting money into it. And at the Golden Globes, we just had many examples of that. You know, Matthew McConaughey said he just put money into uh, Dallas Buyers Club. You know, and, and I think that's, in terms of this business as an actor, what's, it's about taking responsibility. It's not giving a shit about whatever anybody thinks and doing why you're put on this earth, you know. Because I feel like every single person here has a monster inside of them. And that monster wants to get out and scream. And yet... Everything we do in life is trying to push that monster back down so that we will be civil, we'll be presentable, we'll be, you know, acceptable, you know. But when you're alone with your dog, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the, you know you, the monster wants to come out. Totally. And, uh, and we mask the monster. And I felt like alcohol and all that sort of stuff was masking the monster. So I feel like that would, for me, that really be... I think being a man or a woman is... What that really means is... And being an adult is being is, is is owning up to your own shit, and it's it's doing what you want to do in this life. Yeah, yeah. And you know, money I think is far overrated. I have a very good relationship with money. I like money. I like buying nice things for myself and for people. But when when you get to the stage where I have to make money in order to 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 sustain a lifestyle or whatever it is, I think it, then it becomes dangerous. And you're in your you would rather. Um, uh, you you would rather work for the money than actually working for yourself. And when you get to be when you're dead, did you say I live my life my own way, or right before you're dead? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it when you're dead. You get, nobody will hear you. You have dude. to slip it in right before nobody, the door shuts. Yeah, nobody yeah. will hear you except God, and he's already yelling at you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you. Idiot. Throw me the whip. I throw you the idol. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I, I. You know, I agree with that too because I. I, I definitely feel that. Um, <clears throat> I, I do enjoy having money for things because it's a. It's a comfort and it's not. It's. It's a. It's a whole different. It's a stress that I don't have to have anymore. But I also. I have this. Uh, I have this. I have a house that I bought over a year ago, and it's a nice house, and it's been been remodeling it for a year. I've never lived there, so I've been staying with my girlfriend. And she just has a one bedroom apartment, and and honestly, I feel like oh well, if the you know if the house if I didn't have the house, I'd be fine here because she's here and I'm happy. What if you? Ch- this is the challenge I'm going for for 2014 is to. I would love to sell every or give away everything that I have, so I absolutely have nothing. And then try to rebuild myself. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? I, I mean, do. How liberate, liberating that would be. And to, I'm not saying going into a different uh, métier or a, a job. I'm saying as an actor and rebuilding myself and seeing if I could do it. You know, and because it makes you young, it makes you vital, it makes you hungry again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and and I look around. I, I often look around because I bought my furniture willy nilly. You know, it's not all coordinated like yours and um, your new house. <laughs> I've no, by the way, I have no furniture in the house. Yet. I look at my, my bedside table and I go, I go, I go, what's so hot about that bedside table? I go, is that the bedside table I'm going to die with? I've had it for 15 years. I don't even like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It holds a shitty lamp that I don't like that I got off a movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I go, and so I really have this battle with this bedside table. And I go, why are you by my bed? Why do I have to look at you right before I go to bed every single night? And then I start looking around my house. And I go, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you. And the dog's like, but we're cool, right? Yeah, no, we're cool. You're going to give away all the shit. The but dog's cool. dead. Oh, no. Yeah, dog's dead. 
Oh. Yeah, he had a good life. I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah, he was well loved. Oh, that's good. Did you did you take him places? Did you get to travel with him? Never. Never, Never. traveled <laughs> places. Oh, he just stayed in my room. <laughs> Full <laughs> of shit that you want to get rid of. Yeah, of course. Actually, a funny story about my dog, um, real quick. People like movie stories, don't they? Movie stories are great. Dog stories are even I better. remember, um, I'll tell you a movie story that's, that's quite good. Um, my dog was in... Northern California, I believe, and I'm in Southern California, and Julia Roberts were doing Aaron Brockovich. She was dating Benjamin Brad at the time, and he lived in Northern California, and I said, and Julia asked me, or Stephen did, if I could be on set at this particular time, you know, and I said, you guys, I can't, I gotta, my dog's in Northern California, and I have to bring him with me, and so Julia said, she said, well, I'm going to be up there visiting Benjamin. She goes, I'm going to fly up there. I got a, my private jet, right? I'm going to pick up, I'll pick up your dog. I'll bring him back to, we were in Barstow at the time. I'll keep him for three days. You know, I'll look after your dog and um, uh, keep him with my dog. And I said, that's fantastic. You know, that's great. So my parents took my dog to the place and Julia was there, got on the private jet and everything. She took the dog, right? <laughs> So I get to Barstow three days later, man. And Julia comes back. I go knock on Julia's trailer, you know. And she comes out. And she's like, take your dog. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, here. I go, what? I got a really good dog. He's well-mannered and everything. But, you know, he's in a foreign place. So anyway. Also probably a huge Julia Roberts fan. So it's probably very difficult to contain. Oh, yeah. Well, he he likes, he likes most, you know, he's a big film fan. Yeah, I was going to say something. (laughs) Something really inappropriate. Yeah. fine, you can. No, no, no. I got to, I got to have a career. That's fine. I understand. Um, This thing actually isn't going to go out on air, is it? (laughs) No, 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 no. This is just About my furniture that I have carpet. This was just for us. This was just for you and me. Right. I love the idea that the story you just told sounds like a weird dream I would have. Like, I had this dream I was doing a movie and Julia Roberts picked up my dog that was in Northern California for some reason and brought it to Barstow. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds like a weird... It doesn't sound like a real thing that happened to somebody. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, can you believe it? That's insane. It's a fantastic story. It's a great, great you know, story. She didn't need to do that. No. She, she was very, very, very generous to me on that movie. Oh, that's good. So it was a good, it was a good experience. What do you care? I do care. I mean, seriously. I really do. You didn't, Say it more like you do care. Okay. I'm not a good actor, though. <laughs> I'm really happy that you... Now, see, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm glad you had... Oh, no, that's not it. <clears throat> line. Katie, what was my line? Aaron, I'm really glad that you... No, I'm trying don't to do that. Don't take that pause there. You know what it is? It's that I'm trying to do the... the, the I, I'm doing the James Lipton thing. I'm really glad, but it just never sounds sincere. I think I sound naturally sarcastic when I say things. Yeah. Because that's my only defense mechanism, being a comedian. <laughs> I can't fight anyone. I can just, like, snark at him, and that's, that's, about as far, that's about as far as I can go. Comedians can't fight? <laughs> Most of them, no. I'm, I'm very good friends with David Spade. Yeah, I think he, he falls, cannot fight. I, he falls into that category. <laughs> David Spade would break like a graham cracker crust. Like you could just, you could just. I think you could just poke through him. He's a delightful man and very funny. Yeah, but you know what? You guys have you guys have tongues and minds. Well, you know, and 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 you could do more damage with those. I mean, literally, you could disarm the biggest bozo in the world by making him feel bad about his mother or his dad. What you know? What, you know what I'm saying? Shortly before he dismantles us physically, he wouldn't even get that far. It's almost like a super. Uh, it's like a superhero, like comedians, uh, uh, wit and sarcasm, and you know, kind of, they wouldn't even understand it. You would paralyze. 
paralyze them, you should actually take this. This is my idea. Okay, okay, okay. This is my idea. Okay, what you is could it? Para- well, it's this. You could paralyze them. I mean, that would be your superhero, the super, um, you know, uh, your powers that, you know, when somebody's coming at you and they want to kill you or something like that, they're really angry, and you just say that one thing that yeah. makes them stop. And think, and they're not sure if it's a joke or if it's not a joke, or you know, then they reflect about on their childhood, and this is all like taking place in a ma- in a second, you know, and then you pounce. See, pounce what? Pounce on them? Well, you can run. Pounce away? Yeah, but that's not a good movie. No, no, no. Okay, no, you're right. That's not a good movie. That's just it. Because I, I do, I do have that thing where I go, all right, if if a guy came up and tried to rob me. Would I be able to play it cool and be like, hey, cool, you know, here's this guy. Hey, you need it more than I do. You take it. It's fine. You got the gun, everything. Like, would I try to be funny? Or would, in actuality, would just be like, please don't kill me? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would, if I would be able to keep it. Oh, in okay, it. well, what's the other side of the coin? That you go up and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's play that card. There's, that's not on any coin in my pocket. No, no. I mean, but you must fantasize about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course. I mean, yeah. being a kid who got picked on and bullied when I was younger, of course. Like, I, you know, anytime someone comes in as an, you know, like, as a, as, if someone gets alpha male on me, I just, like, the, yeah. the hair on my neck starts to stand up and things come out of my mouth that I can't stop. Right. But I, I don't think I could really back it up. With these guns. Well, I, I do think that intellectualism or sarcasm, wit, whatever, intelligence basically is is stronger than brawn. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah 100%. I see. I mean, you know, guys, you know, people can talk themselves. I'm sure, David, you, you know, uh, comedians, whoever it is, talk themselves out of fights all the time, you know, uh, and then end up ma- and getting the guy to be your friend, you know, because you have that way of, you know, constructing an argument or making the guy laugh or whatever it is. It's very powerful. Because <laughs> we, don't, we don't have anything else to bargain with, so we have to do it that way. Or they might just kick your ass. It's possible that I'll just, be like, hey, you're funny. Smash, smash, smash. <laughs> Say it again, asshole. <laughs> They'll just keep me around. You make me laugh. I'm going to punch you. Um, I think... Uh, What's oh, this interview about? It's not about anything. It's a... It's a I, always, I always describe a podcast as like... Um, it's, like a, it's like the first phone conversation or like a coffee chat you have with someone that you've just met, but you really are interested to know more about him. So it's really just, it's really just a conversation. I like it. And less, and less of an interview. Because you're going to... You've been doing press for like... 10 or 12 days already and I years it's gonna go on and it's gonna go on forever so it's yeah you know and I haven't talked about any of these subjects no it'll come up we'll get to it no no what I'm saying is I it's refreshing that I haven't I haven't talked about my driver's you know his his tendencies well you don't get a chance to you do you do junkets and so you basically you're you know so much of your press schedule is soundbite culture so they're like what was it like to work on this movie um did you read mary shelley when you were growing up what was this thing like i dated mary shelley (laughs) did you really yeah how 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 was she neil (laughs) saccharoo she was creative (laughs) naturally the pen is very mighty (laughs) Um, but you're gonna, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you. It must be interesting to, especially when you start doing press. You do, you guys do the same. Actors do the same thing as comedians. I, I would imagine you start doing your press at the beginning, 
And then you just start talking and answering the same questions. And then you start sort of workshopping stuff. And then halfway through, you start getting down, okay, these are going to be the answers. Yeah. Because you just don't have the energy otherwise to come up with brand new answers for every one of the same questions. That's true. I will say this, though. Um, I do try to answer everybody honestly. I try to look them in the eyes. I try to make sure that their time is valuable mm-hmm. and that I, I, um, I deem it as valuable, that they're valuable. I think that's the thing because they know it and they don't give a shit anyway, man. <laughs> I'm serious. Like they, they're, they're robots too in their own way. They're going – and plus half of them don't like any movie that you're in anyway. Do you know what I mean? Do they tell you that? Look, I mean like today – I, today there was in the in the French paper I was reading was this um, you know I'm very into body language you know I mean what you can, what you're telling me right now with your body language or you know so I read this whole thing on it today even and you know you can tell how a journalist feels about you for sure you know about the movie about you know what scares me the most is when they Aaron we met you know like that that scares me more because you know there's going something bad's going to happen after that <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying you said the worst thing to my girlfriend at a party oh. no oh yeah oh yeah we met i'm like ah i never i never expect like, if you if i if i met you again in a week and and i said hi i'm chris and you were like doesn't ring a bell i there's not one part of me would be like you son of a bitch i'd be like well no of course because you this is a no. this is a whirlwind. This is a flurry of humans. Now you you meet um, you know. Hopefully we'll do this again. You know, and then you develop relationships for with all the journalists. You know, I do know them. I greet them by name um, sometimes. I you know I develop relationships, especially with the um, the HFPA. Right? Is that the HFPA? A- HFPA. Say that. HFPA. Thank you. Um, uh, no, I, you get to know him. I, one time I was in the Golden Globes. I don't know if you want to talk. You talk about what you want to talk about. No, you talk about no, what I you talk want to talk about. I'm no, in the big chair. Is, I'm no, in the comfortable I chair. You're, you're this, in the boss's I, chair right now. Let me right tell now. you how this, this whole inter, this conversation started, which was I was offered a chair, which was a, it's a fold-up plastic chair you get at catering. <laughs> or I don't even know why I was offered that chair. <laughs> and then but there was a big now an office recliner, which I took, which is quite comfortable. See, it's nice. I, I want, this is about you. This is yeah. So I got to talk about what I got to talk about. Yeah, I've completely forgot. You were talking about the Golden say. Globes. You said something. Oh yeah, about I said Globes. you know I was in the Golden Globes one time. You know, have you ever? I've not been to the Golden Globes. I've been to the Emmys, but not the Golden Globes. Right. Well, in the Golden Globes, y'all, there's big tables and you sit around and you eat, and then there's this the stage and stuff. And I was looking around the room one one day, and I mean, there was just everybody there. You know, the biggest of the big. And I thought, you know, I played my cards right. I'm with these guys for the next twenty years, so I got to you know, make friends, you know what I'm saying? Because these are my peers. This is in a way it's my family, you know what I'm saying? And so hopefully you're going to go to the golden globes more than once. And, and it was, uh, had a profound effect on me. How do you make friends? Like, do you, would you just walk up to someone and go, Hey, Martin Scorsese, I'm, yeah, I'm Aaron. How's it going? I think that time I walked up to Clint Eastwood who I had never met and he was surrounded by, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And I said, hey, Clint Eastwood. I, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> hey, are you Clint Eastwood? <laughs> yeah, I go, you look a lot, but you're a little smaller, but you should use that. <laughs> you look like an older Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. I thought even for the hair, I, I've, I won't tell, tell the story afterwards. No, no, tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's bad story. Oh, should I tell a story what happened to me in the airport the other day? Of course he should. Yeah, no. yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Damn it. Um, Say it using fake names. 
No, but I'll tell the clean short story. So, so uh, I walked up to him and I said, uh, you know, he's surrounded by all the, you know, the biggies. And so I went up and I said, and Spielberg was there. I said, I said, hey, Mr. Eastwood. I said, you know, my name's Aaron. I said, I'd really love to work with you sometime. I'm not a total nobody, you know. But he looked at me like, you know, like he was looking through air, and he goes, "Yeah, we'll see what's shaking sometime." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "It was, it hurt, you know." It was three words, Eastwood. He Harvey goes, fucking Dent. No, he, he goes, "Yeah." He says, "We'll see what's shaking." I go, I'll never work with you. (laughs) There's zero chance I will ever work with Clint Eastwood. (laughs) So the moral of the story is if you're ever at the Golden Globes, do not approach anybody. (laughs) Not just Clint Eastwood, not anyone. Nobody. I would say that is Clint Eastwood's loss. Because it's, you know, like a guy like that should want to know who the younger actors are. Well, I mean, he was, I put him in a difficult situation because, you know, we were all just getting up. It was a big hubbub, you know, and he was surrounded and stuff. I probably should have picked a better moment. But I was starstruck by him. You know, I grew up with Clint Eastwood on. And so when I saw him, I thought, oh, my God, I got to go meet this guy, you know. And that happens in that room, you know. You see people like like last night or whenever we did it was like, you know, just some amazing people. And everybody's, you know, doing great work. Did Were you ever surprised by someone who was like, hey, I'm a fan of your work? Yeah, all the time. John Voight did it to me. Uh, the other day, um, I'm always surprised who comes up and, and knows who, who I am and then can say something that you're actually in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, um, which is amazing because you, you, you I mean, you, in the company of men was 97, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you've been in a lot oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people forget, you know, people are more concerned about their own careers, I guess. And That's what have true. you done? What have you done for me lately? I, I totally understand that, you know? Um, I'm less, uh, you know, the a woman the other day said, uh, she, big fan, she said, Aaron, you know, come sign autographs. I went over there and signed autographs. She goes, loved you in White House Down. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> that, was, that was very gracious. Uh, and the other problem is that, like, it, I mean, even though I look at you and I go say, say Aaron Eckhart has a, we're has sort a perfect, of twins. We sort well, but you have a, you have a good jaw. You have a good jawline. You have a better. You have a much better jawline. Somebody line. on Twitter today said that when you have a jawline like mine, you you need a Q-tip to to wipe out the crap in it. <laughs> so I mean, don't 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 feel so bad. You don't have a chin like mine. <laughs> oh Twitter, but it's but also I think just as. Because we're just white guys. Like, we're just a non... There's a non... We're sort of non-ethnic white guys. So we blend in to a lot of other white guys. You know? Like, yeah, if we were sitting next to, like, Aaron Paul and, you yeah. know, uh, 20 other people, it'd be like, oh, they're all of the same crayon yeah. box. Yeah, we do look very much alike. What you, what, so you... This is what you're going to look like in three years. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. You're going to have, like, this. You know? No, no. I don't yeah. mind that, though. Yeah. I don't mind that. I don't. I don't mind... I don't mind getting the, like, I feel like, um, you know, Brian Cranston called it uh, the crag. And it's got a good, it's a good personality. Like, it's, I think well, it's. I was doing a photo shoot one time, right? And you were there, Stace. I was doing a photo shoot one time, you know, and I'm, you know, photo shoots are just uncomfortable anyway. Because you got to, like, be a model and give them look one, two, and three. And one of the, the, the photographer's assistants came up to me and goes, hey, you might want to watch those lines up there. Oh, no. I was like. <laughs> I was like you. I was like, dude, I like those lines. <laughs> this, is, this is living. Yeah. This, this is, is living. Lying. I said, why are you talking to me anyway? <laughs> I only talked to the photographer. 
Oh, you're activating his lines. Calm down. Uh, don't ask him questions. I, 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 I always know, like, because I have to for work. I have to get you know the makeup put on every day, and you, and so you can, you always, you always sort of subconsciously know, like, oh, that's that's where the problem areas are, because they just spend a little more time under the eyes, or like, oh, let's just even you out. Oh, I guess I'm not even anymore. Like it's it. It's funny to me, and I'm, I, 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 I keep going back to this idea that, um, that to be a performer, you are sort of hypersensitive to the world. And, but, but then you go into a business that essentially also attacks your sensitivities and insecurities. <laughs> it seems like the worst marriage of things yeah. that you could possibly have. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun when you embrace it. Yeah. You know, you really embrace it and go, that's the way it is. You that, have to or yeah, you go crazy. Yeah. And it's fun, too. I like being my age in this business. I see a lot of upside for that, you know. I like being an adult. I like having, you know, I mean, I like having all these lines on my face and, and uh, because it's lived. I mean, look at Clint Eastwood, for, by, for example, you know. I mean, you can't have everybody smooth skin and beautiful and looking great all the time. It's just not good for drama. Yeah, and that's what this is all about. I mean, people would rather see, in my opinion, even in superheroes, you know, lines on the face and like Brian Cranston. You know what I'm saying? I saw him; he won an award. I gave him an award the other night, and um, I like seeing that. Otherwise, people don't take you seriously, right? You know, you look at Jack Nicholson, you look at Sean Penn, you look at great actors. These great actors, you know, that's life lived. You know, that's experiences under there, and no, no sort of. In fact, in Hollywood, beauty almost goes against you if you're, you know, early on. If you're a guy. You know, because nobody wants to take you seriously. So you have to somehow fuck yourself up. Like, right <laughs> off the bat in my career, after In the Company of Men, I did Your Friends and Neighbors. I gained 45 pounds. I had a mustache and red hair. And people loved it. Was It must have been fun for you to, 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 to realize, like, oh, I can... I, I can manipulate myself in such a way that I can actually do any kind of. I mean, it's good. The guys that can do leading stuff and character stuff are the, are the guys who will work forever. That's right, and that's what you're going for. It's 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 longevity, and it's also interesting work. And directors appreciate that, you know. So uh, a director, if you can show a director a different look, a different way, then he's going to appreciate that. A because he's going to say you're willing to do it, you're willing to make yourself ugly, or, or willing to go all the way for the character. I had this discussion yesterday with the director. He says, "Are you willing to gain forty pounds or whatever like that?" And I said, "Yeah, for sure. If the character's right, and if you're not going to screw the movie up." <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to not fuck the movie up if I do? Is that, that a fair question? That's a fair question. Yeah, that's a totally I mean, fair question. Because gaining forty pounds is tough. Well, I don't think. I think the. Um, I think to m- most people sort of look at the idea of, uh, you know, like look at a leading man guy and they go, uh, oh, it'd be so great to be that guy. But then you also know, like, well, you're not going to be that guy forever. So you have to figure out how to how to roll with it and own it, like like you're saying, and figure out how to adapt and change. I mean, if you want longevity, may- I mean, maybe you just want to, like, oh, I just want to be that guy and then I'll quit and then fuck it. The, 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 the... The, the wrench in the spokes or whatever that saying is, is this. Everybody's cool with what you just said. The problem is continue, you're continually asking me, yeah, but the, you will not be a... How should I say this? Will you say this for me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's being attractive to the opposite sex. Right. You see, that's the big thing. Like, once they say... You know, once you stop becoming a, then you, then Hollywood doesn't 
they're not going to pair you up in that thing and, and you're not going to become, you know, um, I don't want to say a sex symbol because that's not what it is, but you have to have an attractability. If you're, if you, that's becomes the, the, the problem is that you're not willing to give that up. Right. If people just didn't give a shit about that, then they would have much more, more interesting careers. Yeah. But that's why you see like guys in their sixties going out with a 25 year old in a movie. You know what I mean? Cause right. they still consider themselves to be sex symbols. To be that guy. Yeah. yeah. When the audience really just wants that guy to be a craggly old man in a fisherman movie. <laughs> you know, pulling some fish out of the sea and then going home and drinking some whiskey. Right. You know what I mean? But they're unwilling to do that because they can't see themselves as a non-sex symbol. It is, it is funny. It's, and I'm just starting to feel the first... I mean, when I, was, when I was like 30 or 35, I was like, oh, these, you know, these guys who just won't go quietly into the... Just fucking, you know... And all young people say that to me. They go, oh, just fucking... Act. And, then you start, and then you start getting a little older and you're like... I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, not yet, you know, it's not so bad. Oh, it's a little bit skin. It's skin. It's a little bit extra skin. It is. So I, I definitely feel, I feel, and what I believe it is, is just that biological urge for like survival, you know, yeah. like you don't want to let it go. The thing you said earlier about, you know, being a grown up essentially means, you know, not giving a shit when anyone thinks. But I kind of fear that moment when I, like, you know, go out of the house, like, in a fishing hat and Bermuda shorts and, and Birkenstocks. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Who am I trying to? The, the, first, the first time I say, who am I trying to impress? I'm going to be like, oh, God damn it. Is that your old. dream? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, not at all. But see, if you, that's, if that's, what, what if you wanted to go out in leather pants and, you know, like, you know, spiked heels? Yeah. I mean, or, okay, well, wherever your dream is. That would is. mix it up. That would totally mix <laughs> no, it up. No, what I'm saying is, like, if you, you're not going to do that because you're not going to go out in Bermuda shorts and, and a Bermuda, Bermuda shirt. If you just follow your dream and go, like, even with, like, wearing a suit, you know, to an interview, like, fuck, I don't want to wear a suit to an interview. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why are you making me wear a suit to an interview? It's not <laughs> no, you I can am. show up in Bermuda shorts. It's not who I am. That's right. You know? Uh, as soon as you get rid of that and go, I'm doing it my own way. Look at guys like Kevin Smith. You yep. know, look at um, uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know, he does what he wants. Oh, yeah. Ke- Kev has definitely pioneered not only film and podcasting and new media and stuff, and, but, and he really, I think, encapsulates this idea now of like, oh, it's okay to not play the game and it's okay to, I mean it can be a little more work if you decide to dance outside the system but I think that's a lot of times where the more rewarding stuff is 100% because then you're not at the mercy of someone telling you you're good enough or you're not good enough or you're not at this enough or you're that too much and you know you're just sort of saying like man eh, I'm just whenever me. you don't have to ask the question what do you think yeah do you know what I mean uh, whatever it's about what, what, of course you're going to collaborate with people you have to to make films in this, in this business or whatever it is but when you're asking what do you think that's and that's, an, that's a question I ask all the time you know I ask Stacy what, what she thinks all the time it's important to me that I present, be presentable but inside you're going oh you know it's you just want to be yourself you know and I think when I come to be myself and do what I really want. That's when I'm going to be really happy. Do you feel like you're doing that a lot now? <sighs> it's tough, you know. I mean, I, I, scale of one to ten, I, I'm probably hitting about. I'm a three thirty hitter or something like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, 
because I'm trying, you know, you, when you make a film, you have to please the producers, you have to please, you know, everything else. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to get future work and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like the golf swing, you know, the, the, the easier you, you strike the ball, the better the hit, right? So it's counterintuitive. Right. Right. And I think this is counterintuitive too. Like us sitting here and talking at will like this and just free association like this is a much more interesting conversation than if you had you know bullet point questions and all that sort of stuff this is a, a much more fun interview you know this is more like what people want to hear this is outside the box isn't podcasting outside the box or is that i think in the it box is now i think it's i think it's outside the box still i think it's outside the box still i don't think it's tipped yet it's 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 the wild wild west it is it totally is yeah yeah there's because i mean because the medium just didn't exist before about eight years ago um so it there isn't there aren't really rules, but I think the one thing that we're all discovering is that, you know, it's much more interesting to hear what people are like and how they, I mean, it's almost like a social experiment. Like, oh, I'm, that guy's really interesting. How does he process the world? How did he get to where he was? What does he think? What does he like? That stuff's more, it's more interesting to me anyway, to hear people talk about what they're passionate about rather than just, well, we shot for uh, 24 weeks, and uh, yeah, there was a lot of makeup, and oh, it's acting in a green screen's weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just a holdover from just soundbite culture uh, that, you know, for years and years, we just didn't have a long-form medium like this. Mm-hmm. So. I would much rather listen to how you are... In fact, this is. I asked Jay Leno this last night. Jay, what do you do when you go home? You know, and he told me what he does. I won't say it on the air. It's not cool, but you know, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I take off all my clothes, and then I have a, um, <laughs> I have this uh, voodoo doll that uh, in the shape of uh, well, there's a Conan one and a Jimmy Fallon one, and then I uh, stab it repeatedly with my penis. Uh, I'll see you guys later. I gotta go buy a car. Was it similar to that? I mean, you don't have to say if I was totally on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I can't stop myself. <laughs> um, I, I left. For the record, I left three minutes ago. Aaron's gone. Where did he go? Yeah, Katie, I'm how not, could you let him leave? I'm not here. How right could you now. let him leave? Get me back in here. Come back. Aaron, get back in here, please. I'm sorry. You're very loud feet. Hey, I didn't appreciate that. Okay, you're right. I was way out of line. I'm going to sit down for a couple more minutes. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't want this to happen again. Okay, I, I really... <laughs> The movie's I, Frankenstein. It's in 3D IMAX. I spent six months training for it. It comes out on the 24th of January. I actually, the, 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 one, another thing that I think is really cool about your movie is that it's based on the comic series, and the guy who wrote it is a guy who was one of those, like, think outside the box guys. He's the same guy who wrote Underworld, right? And was in, not... Different guy. Kevin did the comic book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Stuart, the writer, the director, then took it and wrote. Uh, Stuart wrote. Stuart Beatty wrote. Um, he wrote uh, Collateral. He wrote mm-hmm. the first Pirates of the Carib- Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Which one do you prefer? I say Caribbean. Pirates but I think either Car- way, either way works. I sound smarter though when I say Caribbean. But I feel like Caribbean is. I feel like you know that's weird. I think I say Caribbean if I were going to visit. I go. I'm going to take a. Yeah. I'm going to take a cruise. Although I think ultimately the I think ultimately the definitive pronunciation has to go to Billy Ocean, 
So I think you have to say <laughs> Caribbean. So yeah, I think that's. I think he actually. Right. Yeah, he wouldn't you say. You really are a master. Caribbean. Re- it's who, not Caribbean Queen. No, but he he's Jamaican. He he is. He's Jamaican. Great music still. Yeah. In England, he's in my iPod. He is. But uh, he's a very, okay. very small man. So I crossed some. I crossed some wires. I crossed some wires. No, you didn't. I just uh, wasn't sure you were where you going there. But Stuart, I think, wrote the script, and you, you know, the script. The obviously, the genesis is um, that book that you so um, decimated earlier, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. Well, I, I knew you guys broke so, up, and so I was so rude. Yeah, but we created something great. Good. Are you excited? So you are. You are excited about a movie like. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited about. Um, I was had fun making it. You know. Uh, you know. It's a. Do you really want to hear about this? I do. Uh, yeah, I had fun making. I worked my ass off, and everybody else did. The thing about movies that nobody understands, you. Um, just, I mean, people don't. They do realize how hard it is to make a movie, you know, and how much effort and thought and passion goes into making a film. Every movie, just by virtue of the fact that it's made, even if it goes straight to video or whatever it is now, you know, I mean, there's so much love in there. That's a person's life. I want you guys to really think about that. Take a moment. Okay, processed. <laughs> I absorbed all of it. Did you? Just right there. You have a better attitude now? <laughs> no, I guess I do, as a matter of fact. Okay. But, but it is, I mean, like, everything that you work on, no matter what the experience is, it's still going to leave a little trace with you along the way. And you've worked with fucking amazing, I mean, like, I didn't even, I didn't even get to, I didn't even get to tear your head open about, about Harvey Dent and Nolan and, and, and yeah. that experience. Yeah. And does, does a movie like that feel... Sp- big when you're making it or does it feel you know like with a director like that does it feel like we're making a small movie that he's going to blow up somehow well, there's two sides to that. I'll tell you quickly two stories about that um, we were in Chicago making the film and we were on top of a, a high rise um, at night and there was Christian and, and Gary Oldman and just the fact that to be in that company was fascinating and you know in the bat suit and, and all that and then there was lights in all of the city and all the buildings around. I mean, literally for as far as the eye could see. And I said to Chris, I said, Chris, that's really cool, you know. I mean, it's going to look great with those lights there. They have the lights on. They didn't turn the lights off on the buildings. And Chris looks at me kind of like strangely and he goes, that's us. Oh, shit. So they had lit. I mean, I'm talking like a entire city. They lit every specific light in a building. So when you see that shot, that's all us. On the other hand, so that's how big the movie is. And forget the Batmobile and the biggest green screens in the world and all that. But on the first day of filming, there's a big, um, it's the uh, scene in the restaurant when, when Christian comes up to, to Maggie and I. And, um, you know, after we did our scene or in between, nobody left. Nobody went to their uh, trailers. Nobody, there was no real catering to speak of, you know, and everybody just stayed there. I was looking around. It was the first day of filming. I'm like, I'm looking at Christian. Going, Is he going to go back to his trailer? <laughs> How's this work? <laughs> go, where's craft services? <laughs> you know. Um, and that was the great thing is that basically everybody stays on set all the time. And it's a real sort of family kind of thing. And, and Chris works very quietly, very methodically. Um, and so in that way, it felt like a very small movie. You know, but it was an enormous film. And then you had Heath Ledger, who was, you know, you know, what can you say? I mean, the guy's a genius, you know, um, who was so passionate about the movie. I mean, I was watching Gary Oldman watch Heath. Oh, you, you, shit. Yeah. We all know what a genius Gary is, right? And Gary was sitting there going, 
you know. So um, it was quite extraordinary to be there, and then the tragedy that happened to Heath, and so I'm very happy to have been a part of that. Well, uh, I know you have to. I know you have to go because you're. You're. This is probably one of. 10,000 other things that you have to do today but uh, I Frankenstein comes out January 24th um, and then anything else coming up I, I just finished a movie called Incarnate uh, in which I play a wheel, wheelchair bound I'm a paraplegic in it and uh, it's a Jason Blum, uh, Blum film so it's sort of a, a genre kind of film but a lot of fun and a great director named um, Brad Payton directed it and uh, that's I don't know when it's going to come out but it's going to be a lot of fun and then I'm going to go I got to go find some work <laughs> I think you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to be David Spade's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eckhart, over here. Beat the shit out of that guy for me. I said some shit. I can't cash the check. Uh, but thanks, Aaron, man. Take back my car. <laughs> I don't like the seat. Tell Clint Eastwood I want to work with him. No, I already did that once. Please don't make me do that again. Yeah. Uh, all right, thanks. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Aaron Eckhart. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Carbonite.com. Carbonite is online backup made easy. Plans start at just $59.99 a year. Start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Nerdist to get two bonus months with purchase. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. (laughs) 